I'm Philip Morgan, and this is the Consulting Pipeline Podcast, where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. It has been a good first season for this podcast. Honestly, when I started this podcast, I had no idea how long the first season was going to, to be. I knew it was going to be focused on positioning, but I did not know how much there would be to say on the subject and how many people would be interested in sharing their story, and I just didn't know. Personally, I could talk about positioning for years, but I don't think you want to listen to it for that long. And thus far in this podcast, we've explored positioning from a number of angles, how it's a tool that can help you uh, gain a business development advantage. We've looked at, uh, heard some firsthand stories from people about how they've used positioning to create benefit for their business, audio essays on positioning, all kinds of good stuff, I think. And on the one hand, I feel like uh, that subject could just go on for years. And on the other, I think it's time to move on to another subject, something related to building your consulting pipeline, but uh, not the subject of positioning. So that's what I'm going to do. We are going to explore content marketing next in this podcast. I think it's a valuable subject to explore because when content marketing works, it keeps a steady flow of leads coming in. It frees you up from the feast-famine cycle. It's certainly not the only lead generation strategy I might recommend, but I think it's a great strategy when used correctly. I think content marketing, when you think about it uh, as a short-term investment, it's one that delivers results over really, you know, a two to five year time frame from an initial investment. And that's very powerful in terms of freeing you up from the need to constantly work on your, um, on your lead generation efforts and, and letting you focus on running your business and delivering projects. So that's awesome, but <laughs> this is one thing I know about content marketing most of the the advice out there online about content marketing is at worst flat out wrong and at best it's just not applicable to the small consultancy it assumes that you're going to approach content marketing sort of like you're a natural born writer or editor and it it sort of assumes that you're going to be willing to add another job role either to your own mix of uh, duties or perhaps delegate it to a staff person. And all of those assumptions, I think, tend to cause people to end up in the same place, which is with a blog that is uh, six months out of date and full of content that's not that relevant to their ideal clients. I want to explore other approaches that will yield better results. So I'm working on lining up a second season uh, for this podcast, maybe two dozen or so episodes, and the focus is going to be on content marketing. And I want to approach that subject not just as an open-ended exploration of content marketing, but rather with this question in mind, in mind, how can the time or resource-constrained consultant get the best possible results from content marketing? So you know, if you're a solo consultant, you've got to make your limited time resources count. If you're a small shop and you're, and you're spending money on content marketing, you've got to make, that, make sure that budget delivers a good return on investment. And either way, you need to approach your content marketing in a way that's not haphazard and it's not based on some advice you found online that is appropriate for a business to uh, a B2C type situation um, versus a B2B situation, or it's, you know, it's just not appropriate for the small consultancy. So that's my goal for the next season of this podcast. I want to talk to people and uh, do more of these short audio essays where 
we're digging into actionable, useful advice on how the time or resource-constrained consultant can get the best possible results from content marketing. I'd like to start you off with a taste of what's coming up. I spoke with Ben Kruger of Cashflow Podcasting on the subject of using podcasts as part of your content marketing. It, this was actually a fascinating interview, not just for me because I'm, you know, interested in podcasting myself, but I think it's actually very applicable to really to my audience here, to people who are consultants or, or small shops and who need to do something that's very uh, time effective to generate and sustain a, a steady supply of leads. And audio has some unique properties that you can, I think, leverage very effectively in your marketing if you know what, what to look out for and, and how to approach it. And this interview with Ben really touches on some of those important issues. So I think you'll get a lot out of it too. So Ben, who are you and what do you do? Thanks for having me on, Philip. I am uh, Ben Kruger. I run Cashflow Podcasting. And I would say first and foremost, I'm an avid marketer, a lifelong learner, and an outdoor adventurist, if that were a thing or if that's uh -huh. a term. <laughs> um, and I do – I focus on helping influential individuals, whether they're coaches, consultants, personality brands, or authors, experts in their own right. Uh, I focus on helping those individuals grow their audience, build their influence, and build their authority, and generate sales using podcasting as their main marketing channel. So that's the quick rundown of who I am and what I do. Fantastic. Thank you. How did you get interested in podcasting? How did you, you know, kind of land on that as a thing to focus on? It's a really interesting story, and I'll give you the shorter version because there's kind of two versions. Um, I was actually looking for a business opportunity to get into, um, and at the time, I was an avid podcast listener. I consumed mm -hmm. a lot of different podcasts Um and one in particular was about living and working from anywhere, kind of running a business and an income a little bit more on your terms. Mm -hmm. um, it was called the Tropical MBA podcast. And at the time, I actually knew the owner of the podcast, the host of the podcast, and had a couple of cool conversations with him. And he let me know that they were having some troubles with their post-production, doing the editing. It was taking a lot of time and effort for their team. Right. And I had done some video production in high school and figured, well, how hard can it be? So I made him an offer kind of on the spot to do some production for him mm -hmm. and free up his team's time. And right there, we kind of shook hands and I had my very first client. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so... How's that for kind of jumping in head first? But I yeah. really, I really wanted to kind of get my feet wet and test out this market as an opportunity. Uh -huh. And in working on their show, I saw how effective a tool it was for growing their membership site. It was uh, at the time they had a pretty small membership site, but it was growing rapidly due to the podcast and a lot of listeners turning into recurring members and clients and that's what really got me hooked because as much as I like podcasting and enjoy podcasting as a medium and a tool in and of itself, marketing is really my true interest and my true passion. And when mm -hmm. I saw the marketing potential of podcasting from the other side, not just from me being a listener, but also from the business standpoint, that's when the light bulb went off in my head and I got really excited and uh, the rest has been an exciting adventure ever since. That's awesome. I want to I want to circle back to that idea of being able to track someone from podcast listener to paying client or mm -hmm. paying customer. So I'm putting a pin in that for later. Perfect. Here, here's my first question. Um, it, could you spend a minute or two just putting podcasting into context or perspective? Obviously, the people who are listening are listening to a podcast, but can you kind of help them get a sense of how big podcasting is or, you know, how it fits as a potential marketing channel for them? 
Absolutely. And Philip, I think this is the perfect question to start with. So first, I want to thank you for asking such a good question. Um, I think one of the interesting things around podcasting is that there's a lot of assumptions and there's a lot of uh, misconceptions around what podcasting actually is, the status of podcasting as a tool, and how it's best used as a marketing entity for brands versus you know, just kind of like a hobby project. So from a, you know, what it actually is and, and its current status standpoint, podcasting has in the past had a pretty big growth spurt. It was back in 2000 and let's see, it was like 2009 to 2011. It got a little bit of a bump. Um, and at that point, technology hadn't quite caught up from a consumer standpoint. So it was actually pretty difficult to listen to podcasts, uh, but there were a lot of people getting into it from a hobby standpoint. They had a lot of good information to share, so they started putting together podcasts. Um, and because it wasn't particularly easy platform for people to consume, it really didn't pick up the steam that that uh, the hosts were hoping for. And since the advent of the iPhone and smartphones and essentially, you know, iPods and, and mobile memory in every single person's pockets, mm-hmm. it has become one of the easiest content types to consume. Um, not so, only... Oh, sorry, sorry. Let, me, let me stop you there. So pre-iPhone, pre-iPhone, you know, consuming a podcast meant like, downloading it in iTunes and then plugging in a USB cable to your giant iPod, right? And sync, syncing <laughs> it that way and or, or just listening directly from the computer, right? So that when, exactly. when we say clunky, not a great experience, that's really what you're talking about. Yeah, it wasn't easy to access and it wasn't easy to consume from the standpoint of you either had to be sitting at your computer or you had to go through a long, arduous process to, like you said, download mm-hmm. it on your computer transition it over to a mobile device like your iPod um, and then take that with you instead. Whereas now you can kind of all from the touch screen of your iPhone screen, mm-hmm. download what you want and be listening to it within 10 seconds. Um, right. And essentially then it becomes a free library of resources, talk shows and entertainment and education at your fingertips. Right. And 100% on demand. Right. So um, is podcasting still kind of a fringe thing or is it just tech nerds that are into podcasts or how broad is the reach in terms of the type of people who routinely consume podcasts? Good question. Um, There's a group called the Edison Research Group that does a study on podcasting and they do larger studies on media in general, but Uh, They're kind of the leading group that does organized studies around podcasting and its growth and its projections. Um, And what they've found is that average podcast listeners aren't necessarily tech individuals, but they are educated. They're usually um, they're usually college graduates. They're also usually mid to upper middle class or. Uh, above. So they're mm-hmm. generally wealthy, educated individuals. And they are very um, committed to higher learning. So whether that's, you know, advanced degrees, whether that's doing self, uh, self-taught self learning, reading, you know, essentially staying on the edge of what a market or what a topic is doing. Um, And so most of these individuals that listen to podcasts are also avid listeners. So for the uh, average active podcast listener, they on average have listened to six podcast episodes um, in the last week, according to the study. So it shows that, you know, people that listen to podcasts aren't just, you know, checking it out every once in a while. Generally, this is literally a part of their weekly, if not daily routine. And as a, from a marketing perspective, that's really kind of the ultimate, you know, the holy grail. We're no longer plastering ourselves on a billboard or trying to get people to click on our ad. 
were becoming part of their consistent routine to advise, to share, to create an experience with that individual instead of trying to take, we're able to now give and build a, a direct relationship that way. Yeah, for sure. That all um, figures heavily into building trust. Absolutely. How How do you see podcasting relating to other forms of marketing? Is it kind of a standalone thing or does it need to integrate with other things you're doing in marketing? Good question. So there's first off, there's kind of the classifications of different types of marketing, right? There's, you know, any kind of paid marketing or traffic. So whether it's Google AdWords or Facebook ads or any kind of, you know, pay per click type of thing. Um, there's content marketing, which obviously is to create content and put it out there. That's helpful and valuable. Right. Um, and among that there, it kind of splits out into what the content medium is. So if it's text based and blog post based, you essentially have, you know, blog posts and emails or social media, so, you know, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Right. Um, for video, there's obviously a few very clear channels for that. Um, and for audio, essentially podcasting is the audio form of content marketing. Right. Um, so the, that, that's kind of the breakdown there from a, you know, what's needed to be successful with a podcast. Generally, the way I like to think about podcasting is to serve two main functions. One is to be a, a resource where people can discover you. So, um, that's just like most forms of content marketing. You put together really good stuff, you put it out into a bunch of different places and people are able to find you that way. Right. But the second part and this is, in my opinion, much more effective and much more important, is thinking of podcasting as a life cycle marketing tool. So what I mean by that is when people discover you, so if you're a coach, a consultant, a speaker, and um, you have certain packages, products, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that you offer, right. anybody that discovers you Um, a large majority of them, even if your product or service will absolutely have magnificent results for them, majority of those individuals are not going to be ready to start right now. Um, whether it's timing, whether it's, you know, they don't have the funds, whatever it may be, there's an infinite number of reasons. Um, but most of those individuals are not going to be ready to work with you right away. Right. What podcasting can do very effectively as a lifecycle marketing tool is essentially engage that individual with educational and entertaining content, um, share valuable advice, build a relationship with that individual so that by the time they are ready to move forward, they've already been connecting with you. They've been listening to your advice and hopefully implementing your advice for a while now. And you are the natural choice to help them achieve results in your topic area, whatever that may be. So it really is the perfect opportunity to transform folks who come and are interested in the topic but aren't necessarily ready to move into people that have the tools, the resources, the knowledge, and the position and timing to take action and in doing so, connect with you to leverage whatever it is you have to offer them that helps them get that result. So that's what you mean when you say life cycle marketing tool. That's what I mean when I say life cycle marketing tool. And there's some really yeah. fun ways to integrate this with brands. So um, one of the major things that I've discovered works incredibly well for podcasting as a marketing tool is, you know, you hear all the time about online marketers talking about autoresponders. Right. Um, you know, when people show up on your website, have an opt-in of some kind, and there's an autoresponder that right. integrates them in with your brand. Well, this is a perfect opportunity to integrate them in with your podcast content, and especially in a way that directly addresses some of the most common and some of the most important questions in your topic area. So let's say you're a consultant that helps people 
um, get control of their corporate finances. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Sure. Um, <laughs> but let's say that some of the most, um, you know, critical questions and the kind of the first steps for people is to set a corporate budget and to, um, you know, let's say eliminate frivolous spending. Right. Well, in your first two or three autoresponders, that can actually be the topic of the autoresponder email. And you can link then at the end of the email saying, you know, if you want a full episode where I talk to this and this expert about how you can set a budget that actually works for your corporate company, um, click here to check out the podcast and you can get, you know, the full show notes and everything there. So essentially what you can do with the autoresponder is integrate um, it jumpstart people with your podcast content, answer a lot of the questions that most of your best prospects are going to have. Mm -hmm. And in doing so kind of, um, you know, it's classic education marketing where you're literally helping people get to the point where they're ready to make a positive decision for themselves. So one of my questions was why should you know why should a consultant or a small um, consultancy care about podcasting as a marketing channel? I, I think you've you've spoken to that uh, quite a bit already. Is yeah. there is there anything else? Is there any other reason they should think about this? It's not just a weird standalone thing. They can integrate it with other you know marketing efforts. Uh, how does it do in terms of increasing the trust of, of a prospect or how does it kind of stack up on that scale? That's exactly what I was going to talk into, Phil. Uh, oh, sorry. I no, you're, ahead. <laughs> no, you're, you're golden. I, I think your ability to ask good questions is fantastic. Um, thank you. The <laughs> comes with practice, right? Um, yeah. the, the big thing that I see for podcasting, especially for the consultant based industry as a consultant, you know that what drives your sales is trust from the customer or client and the knowledge that they know they're going to get a positive result out of whatever it is you're going to help them with. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not, you know, they're not coming to you because you're a friend. They're coming to you because they trust the advice that you've got to share and because they know that there's going to be some results that are coming out of this. Right. Well, with podcasting, it makes it really easy to build trust because as a listener, so for, for those of you listening, you literally get to hear the sound of Philip's voice. You get to hear how he, uh, how he talks to other individuals, the types of questions that he asks, how he thinks, how he approaches different problems and how he solves different problems. And you get to really get a feel for how he works. And I know that's incredibly important in the consulting space. So the ability to build a connection and begin to trust Philip is astronomical. Whereas if you don't trust him, you're probably not going to listen to his show anymore. Um, at least I hope, I hope you jump ship and find something else if you don't trust the guy. <laughs> so the, the, oh, and there's a follow-up to that. There's uh -huh. the, the second stage is that you, as a consultant, um, you need to be able to show that you're going to be able to get results for these individuals. And right. one of the most powerful things that I've, that I have implemented in my own show and in my own clients shows is implementing essentially social proof that what you do, the advice you share, if implemented works and works wonders. So whether that's through mini case studies whether that's through um, shout outs to some of your clients or customers via um, a particular segment of your podcast. Generally with podcasting, it's really easy to take a little time to highlight individuals in your circle, in your listenership, in your uh, you know clients or programs that are taking positive actions and that are getting results from those actions. And you don't necessarily have to share exact details or names, especially if anonymity is a big concern for mm -hmm. you or your clients. But essentially what this does is it builds a really positive whirlwind of the individuals around you 
implementing your advice and getting mm-hmm. positive results. And that is in an essence, exactly what social proof is. And in every sales training and in every, you know, copywriting training ever, social proof is absolutely critical. Um, and it's something that we, I've started implementing via podcasting for a lot of our clients and seeing really great results from it because now any listener that is checking out a couple of your episodes knows you, trusts you, and hears again and again and again in a non-salesy, non-pushy way how the individuals working with you or the individuals that are, you know, implementing the advice that you've shared via podcasting and via, you know, other sources are getting positive results and it becomes a no-brainer. Oh, that's so interesting, Ben, because I've heard that advice, uh, as you mentioned, it's it's like the the first thing, it's like copywriting 101 or sales page writing 101 is you've got to have social proof. I've yeah. never heard anybody talk about how you would bring that into a podcast. Can Could you spend a minute or so just talking about how you do that without it coming across as weird or awkward? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you asked because I think that's one of the questions that a lot of folks have is, well, that sounds good in practice, but how do I do it without sounding like a snake, you know, snake yeah, oil right. salesman? Well, so here's an, a perfect example for consultants or let's say you've got a group coaching program. Um, one of the options that I see work really well is have a particular segment of the show. Um, so whether it's before you get into the main content or after you're done with the, you know, wrapping up the main content where essentially you highlight individuals within your coaching group that, um, are starting positive conversations that, Mm -hmm. you know, are posting interesting threads. If it's a online based group, like a Facebook group or a forum or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and essentially what you can do is highlight positive conversations that are happening within the group and simply let people know that, Hey, if you want to learn more about how to get involved with this group, uh, here's where you can go for that. It's a very simple, very straightforward Um, type of a thing. So Mm -hmm. for example, I would do this in a way that, um, you know, I have a a private Facebook community of people who have gone through our courses and who are using our services. So I might say, Hey, so I want to take a quick second to give a shout out to um, Ron who posted up a case study that he did last week based on, you know, changing his call to action and tracking what result that had for his podcast. So, you know, before he was using this call to action and he got uh, this kind of a result. And after listening to episode 26, he decided to implement the new call to action structure I've been testing out and got this result. Um, and I wanted to give John a quick shout out for sharing that with the rest of the Cashflow Podcasting Course members. And if you're interested in how you can connect with conversations like these and work on improving your own call to action, you can learn more about that course at this link. Um, But the content for today is, you know, Johnny Johnsonson, and we're going to be talking about how to make shoes. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I see what you're saying. You're really, uh, you're looking at this as a part of of a bigger marketing system where you've... The podcast is is you know part of a closed loop where or there's some some feedback between what people are doing in the real world and what you're talking about on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. And the more you can make the podcast um, a a experience for individuals in the in the sense that they're going on a journey with you. Uh the easier it is for them to connect, and the more enticing it is for them to check out episodes on a consistent basis because they get hooked in the storyline just like they would in a TV drama series or, you know, whatever. So if you're sharing how some of your clients are progressing, or if you're sharing personal information about how your own brand is progressing or some ideas that you've been developing and that you're sharing, um, but are, you know, kind of still in the, in the hatch phase, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen that as a really powerful way to get people interested in and continually coming back in. One podcast that I listen to all the time, it's um, called Marketing in Your Car. Mm -hmm. And 
literally all it is, is it's a marketing guy that talks about different marketing strategies and what he's doing in his business on his seven minute drive into work. Um, and so, you know, you can't really share a whole lot in seven minutes, but because it is very sequential, it's very, um, you know, you get to hear about the different promotions that he's running and what they're trying and they're always testing and tweaking and trying new things. Like I always want to check out like, all right, what's he trying next? Like I, I always want to tune back in and hear what's going on. So, so, so he, he records this from his car, from his car. And so the production, oh, that's value, awesome. <laughs> yeah, the production value isn't stellar, but I'm not tuning in for production value. So yeah. Um, you know, what he shares is fantastic. So I'll, I'll keep tuning in until he stops producing episodes. So, um, one of my questions was where podcasting fits and works best within a typical consulting sales funnel. And I, I sort of felt like you were talking about kind of the mouth and the middle of the funnel. Is that how you see it? Absolutely. Um, so I see it as the mouth in the middle and kind of that, that, um, trust building tool. The right. other way that I see consultancies, especially using podcasting, is as a consultant, you probably get a certain number of questions, maybe 10 or 15 questions on a consistent basis from people. Right. You know, the, the, the classic things that people have questions about, don't quite understand, need clarification on. And so what your podcast can be is essentially your expertise and your best answers to some of these questions packaged into leveraged, repeatable um, resources for these individuals. So you don't have to necessarily, you know, give each person a custom email response. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I see a lot of my own clients doing and what I've now started coaching individuals to do is to um, have a short list of all right, here are the you know major questions that we get in our industry. Here are the five episodes that address those direct questions. And so then when they get those questions, they've got pre-scripted email responses that are very personal, mm -hmm. but they say, you know, hey, really glad that you asked this question. It's incredibly important to understand how this works to, you know, be successful with whatever. Um, and instead of giving you, you know, a quick half answer via email, I want to direct you to the podcast episode where I go in depth and I share with this other individual exactly how you should be thinking about this and how you can approach it for your own business. Um, so it gives you, it gives you the opportunity to share more, to give more without, mm -hmm. uh, giving more of your time, which is absolutely crucial. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. You've probably heard the old saying, I waste half my marketing budget. I just don't know which half. <laughs> How, yeah. uh, you know, I, this podcast is hosted on Simplecast. Um, and, you know, I, I see stats and I see how many people download an episode. Earlier, you sort of hinted at this idea that you could track someone as maybe thinking about tracking a lead through their, through the sales funnel. You could track someone from podcast listener to paying client. Do you have any, uh, you know, thoughts about the idea of measuring the impact or the effectiveness of a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few ways to do it from a technical standpoint. Um, however, it's not like, you know, Google AdWords or Facebook where you can say this person clicked here and right. then they, you know, they saw this ad and then they bought this product. Um, it's much more it's much more disconnected than that. And largely because of the customer life cycle nature of podcasting, like I mentioned before, if they discover right. you, you know, maybe they heard you about you from a podcast, but, um, they've been getting your emails for two months and then they went to an event that you spoke at and then, uh, they listened to a couple more episodes and then they bought, you know, so it's a little bit difficult to track directly, but, there are some interesting ways to go about it. So one way is via the podcast is when you give calls to action in your podcast um, for people to either opt in for something or to request a free call, you know, a free strategy call or something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. give out a link that isn't given out anywhere else. Ah. That's one direct way to literally track, you know, 
are people going straight from listening to the podcast to uh, whatever I'm offering? Right. That's one way. The other way is to use, you know, the classic coupon code type of thing. Right. uh, For any kind of special offer. The challenge there, though, is you miss out on the individuals that check out the podcast, um, but then, um, you know, think, okay, yeah, I'll do that later. Um, and get an email later and remember then, okay, yeah, now I need to go check that out. Um, or they navigate through your website to find the same call to action or something like that. So it's not a, it's not a night and day clear, you know, step one, step two. Oftentimes it's more like a drying machine, you know, a clothes dryer to where people tumble around, um, you know, consuming your podcast content, getting your emails, anything else that you promote or share. Um, and they hear the call to action five, six, seven times before they eventually decide, yep, this is right for me and I'm ready to move forward with this thing. So how much of an audience do you have to have for a podcast to make a difference for your business? Yeah, I would say this is one of the biggest misconceptions that I see around podcasting. A lot of folks have the assumption, and it's a fair assumption because a lot of people that uh, that talk about podcasting have pretty large audiences. But a lot of people that um, are considering podcasting are a little bit, sh- you know, shy away a little bit because they assume that they need a big audience to actually generate results from. Right. If there's any. Um, if there's any idea that has turned out to be more false, like this is the one where you really do not need a large audience to monetize a podcast and to monetize it to a massive extent. Um, generally, if you monetize using sponsorships, then you're going to need a big audience, plain and simple. Right. If you monetize your podcast via selling your products and services as a consultant, which I highly encourage you to do, right. then you really don't need a very big audience at all. And it's especially effective for consultants um, who have significant customer lifetime value. So if your customer lifetime value you know, is 17 bucks because you sell $17 eBooks, you're going to need an audience. Um, whereas if your customer lifetime value, let's say somebody signs up for a monthly coaching program and their lifetime value is 25 grand to your business, obviously you don't need a very big audience to do so. So to put it in perspective, a few of my clients actually have very small podcasts in the grand scheme of things. Um, they don't break the thousand download a month mark Mm -hmm. and yet they, um, generate high six figures in business off of the back end of their podcast. Mm. And it's because of two reasons. Number one, their lifetime value, the lifetime value of their customer is significant. Right. But number two, and more importantly, the audience they do have is very targeted. So they're not blasting their podcast anywhere and, and everywhere to try to get anybody who's even remotely interested Instead, they start their podcast with a very focused, um, a very focused concept and goal right. to add value to their best prospects and those individuals who have the potential to be their best clients. So, you know, highest profit, the type of individual that gets the most value from working with them, the individual that they like working with the most and get the most personal gratification uh, working with. And they really focus in on that individual and serving that individual with their show. So in the end, at the end of the day, they don't need a big audience to generate really fantastic results. And so that quite honestly is how I've shifted my entire podcast strategy um, is from let's get, you know, downloads to let's target some of the most specific groups we can possible to really just reach out to those individuals that are going to be our best prospects. Oh, that's so interesting. So you're, you're talking about not just segmenting uh, a market vertical, like, you know, we're, we're going to go after um, accident attorneys, like car mm-hmm. crash attorneys, right? It's not just that. It's actually segmenting your customer base to focus on a type of customer who brings you the most revenue or is, is the most profitable or otherwise your most desirable customer. 
Definitely, definitely. So if, if you do an 80-20 analysis of your clients as a consultant, right. you're probably going to see pretty quick that there's a couple of them that just blow everybody else out of the water um, from a profit standpoint, as well as from a, you know, types of individuals that you can help most standpoint. Um, usually those mm-hmm. overlap. If they don't, there's there's probably some other issues going on. Right. Um, but instead of trying to amass a giant number of clients that are all, you know, kind of at the lower end of the pay scale and that you can only help so much, I've found that from a podcasting standpoint, it works much more effectively to design the podcast to appeal specifically to that higher end best client And you're naturally going to get the spillover for people who aspire to be that best client. So essentially, you get a lot of individuals who aren't quite there, but they are working on being there. And they might not be there this month. They may not be there six months from now. But a month, a year and a half from now, you may have helped them get to that point with your podcast where they're now the best, you know, type of client that you can work with. Interesting. So let's switch gears a little bit um, and talk about how you create a podcast that people will want to listen to. Uh, That might be interesting. It might be useful. I mean, earlier you kind of hinted at there's a balance between education and entertainment. Mm -hmm. How, how do you, how do you hit that balance? How do you get a, put out a podcast that people will want to listen to? I think it comes down to, and I've got to say, Philip, I think you do a fantastic job of this. Um, I think it comes down to number one, letting your true personality shine through. Uh-huh. Um, because if you try to be somebody that you're not, or if you try to put on a face for the podcast, or if you try to sound like a radio personality, it it shines through very, um, very false. Like it's very yeah. see through. People can yeah. tell, you know, from from your voice, people can tell. They can just smell it. It's just off. Um, so the more you are really true to yourself and and how you operate, the better Mm -hmm. off you're going to be from a personality standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, but also if you are, there's, there's a, there's a slight difference here. There's, I split it into two camps. One is if you and your business are essentially your target market. So, um, Philip, you are a consultant and so right. you understand the consultant's market and that's who right. you share with. So what you can do from an education standpoint is ask the types of questions that you want to know and that you want to learn. And that is going to very accurately spill over into exactly what your audience wants to know. So I think right. that is a killer way to, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone. Now, obviously right. not every business falls into that, you know, nice little alignment. Right. Um, so when that's not the case, as in, um, as in you know, well, let's just say when that's not the case. Uh, let, let me give you an example uh, okay. because a lot of my clients are development shops. So they're, you know, doing so- custom software development. And so their client is usually very much not like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, their client is not interested in, you know, the minutia of how software is built. Their client is interested in the business value that that software creates. So there, there's an example of someone who might want to create a podcast that uh, demonstrates their, their credibility, their capability, but also is interesting to someone who doesn't know anything about code or the inner Absolutely. workings of software. Absolutely. So that's where that's where just like any kind of marketing, it really takes an understanding of your target market and what their, um, you know, wants, needs and desires center around. So, for example, if I wanted to reach individuals who um, want to. So are, the, are these individuals who want to run SaaS businesses but don't necessarily know anything or want to have anything to do with the code side of it or is it a little different? Think, uh, think about a, you know, a big kind of bureaucratic corporation that needs, uh, I mean, there's a range of course, from the small scrappy startup that wants an iOS app developed all the way up to a big bureaucratic organization that needs to replace a bunch of spreadsheets with some custom code. Mm -hmm. But it's somewhere in that range is, 
you know, is the client of my client that, that my client is trying to market to with a podcast. Perfect. So what you would want to really focus on is the absolute topic of interest of your, you know, best prospect. So we're not just um, podcasting to large organizations considering using software. We're really focusing on, let's say, mid-level managers who um, who are trying to streamline their, you know, financial department or whatever. Right, right. So the key here becomes what is their key concern and how can we address that, mo- you know, most accurately with a podcast? So, um, of course, I'm stabbing in the dark here because I don't know the market particularly, but let's say one of their major concerns are um, overspending their budget because they're not able to track their, their budget accurately. And so mm-hmm. like, that's a, a key application for one of your software pieces. Right. So what you can do is you can craft your podcast episodes. Um, each of your episodes can center around a topic that directly addresses a concern or a educational um, element that these individuals would really want to know. And so for a space like this, it's not necessarily something that, you know, somebody would wake up in the morning and just be, you know, absolutely passionate about learning about, you know, financial system software. Um, but instead what they're looking for is an answer. They're looking for, they've got a challenge and they're looking for a solution. So this is the perfect opportunity to essentially build a bank of answers via your podcast episodes that directly address the, you know, 15, 20 most common questions that mid-level financial managers would ask, um, or, you know, the, the biggest challenge they have challenges they have Mm -hmm. and a large portion of that content directs them and educates them around why these issues can be not only resolved, but either eliminated or, um, you know, made much, much smoother via a software application. Um, so the, the applications for podcasting specifically always comes down to the audience and their wants, needs, and desires first. And then we work backwards to try to make sure that, um, it's going to fit for your business and brand to make sure that it, it, uh, directly addresses those goals. So there's always kind of like the, product market fit there. Right. Is, is there any ideal format length level of polish for a podcast? Um, you know, again, it, it, it depends on the industry and the individuals listening. However, uh, a few generalities that I've noticed, one is that people's attention spans are continually shrinking. Um, and for a, a length of a podcast episode, I found that the trend is moving towards shorter episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say shorter, I mean between 25 and 35 minutes in length. Um, right. And the times where I see that that doesn't matter is when you either have a guest that the listeners are just like dying to hear from. Uh-huh. And then, the, you know, you can wax on for an hour and 15 minutes and people still listen to the whole dang thing. Right. Or, um, you're addressing a specific topic that is like an absolute hot button for individuals. So Ah. whether it's a problem or something that they really want or, or are excited about and it's value packed. Um, other than that, other than those two kind of considerations, what I've found is, um, it depends as well on the level of busyness of your audience. So if you have, let's say your audience is um, injury lawyers, you're Mm going to want some really freaking short episodes, Okay, Um, you know, because they're billing, they're billing their time out at hundreds of dollars per hour. Right. And they're not going to waste their time listening to something that's not helpful for them. Um, But here's the beauty of having short episodes is if you do have short you know, kind of punchy episodes and people have more time to listen. They just start binge listening to multiple episodes at a time. 
So oh. you really don't miss out on, you know, individuals who are just kind of craving more. Um, what you do generally is kind of scare off the individuals that think, all right, well, my drive to work is 15 minutes. I'm not going to listen to 45 minutes worth of stuff because I'm not going to get through it. So right. I'm going to check out this other podcast that's 17 minutes long. Right. So are there maybe two or three podcasts that you could point listeners to that are maybe not quite the gold standard, but just really good examples of uh, someone, you know, a consultant doing doing enough things right that you would say, yeah, that's a good example. You should follow. Absolutely. Um, there's quite a few. I want to focus in on somebody that doesn't do it like, you know, absolutely right. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a, a reason why folks get caught up, I think, is uh-huh. they assume that all the, all the pieces have to be in place. The branding has to be spectacular. The audio production quality has to be, you know, uh, radio quality for this thing to work. And, um, a coach or consultant by the name of John Logar um, runs a podcast called Consulting Un- Well, his brand's called Consulting Unleashed. The podcast is Business Unleashed. Uh-huh. Um, if you do a quick, you know, Google search, I'm sure you'll find it. Okay. But the <laughs> he literally records his podcast using the microphone on his little Apple, you know, earbuds. So, oh, wow. you know, he doesn't use uh you know, an expensive microphone. He doesn't have a mixing board. Sometimes he records his episodes, um, from hotel lobbies or freaking airport terminals. So, I mean, he, he really, you know, doesn't get excited about the production uh, quality thing, but he generates six figures from his podcast per month on a consistent basis because he shares incredible value on the podcast. He shares actionable stuff he shows examples of how people are using what he's sharing and getting results. So whether that's case studies or social proof or highlighting, you know, some of his coaching clients or members of his groups. Um, and he gives very clear calls to action for individuals to take a next step and to start getting similar results for themselves. It's really a very simple formula. Uh, And I think for any of you listening that are thinking about, all right, well, how can I use, uh, you know, what's an example of a consulting podcast that's working really well? His is one that works incredibly well and he doesn't even have all the pieces right. So <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about, you know, some of the pieces not being there. Um, yeah. You know, what's what's important is kind of the core structure of having something that's really valuable, really connects with individuals um, where you kind of show that this is possible for individuals and then you show them where to go to, to make that happen for themselves. Okay. Okay. And, and can you repeat the name of that podcast again? Yeah. The podcast name is business unleashed. Uh, the host is John Logar, okay. uh, J O H N L O G A R. He's an Aussie dude. Um, and so if, <laughs> nice. if you have trouble, uh, picking up the Aussie draw, um, I don't know, listen to it slowly on that <laughs> speed or something. <laughs> nice. So, uh, two more questions, Ben. Um, I actually have many more I wish I could ask, but, uh, per your advice, I try to keep my episodes under 45 <laughs> minutes. Um, and this has been a really good one. What, so consultants who are thinking about starting a podcast, what, uh, are they not expecting that they should know about what's going to, you know, uh, slow them down or, or be an unexpected roadblock that you could warn them about ahead of time? Ooh, this is a good one. I like this one. Um, so there's a few depending on the person. Um, one is, you know, if you're not a tech individual, then obviously there's the big question of, you know, what kind of a recording setup do I use? What kind of mic, what kind of, you know, software do I use? How do I call people and record both sides of all this? Right. And I just want to share that it's actually very simple, very straightforward. Um, and it's not at all complicated to get set up. So if that for any reason scares the crap out of you, um, just know that the setup for it is very simple and straightforward. And, um, at the end of this, Philip, I'm happy to share a resource that like, 
you know, shares the exact setup that I, um, recommend for everybody and they can use it for free. Okay. Um, so hopefully that'll be helpful. Uh, but that's one spot where I see people get tripped up. The other one is kind of the assumption. Well, it's kind of a two parter is they either fall into one of two camps. One, they assume that if I just create a podcast and put it out there, tons of people are going to check it out and my business is going to take off. Right. You know, the classic, if you build it, they will come type of a thing. Right. Uh, which is false. Number two, though, the opposite of that that I see all the time is, well, what if I build it and nobody listens to it? And so uh, there's this, there's this you know, deep fear of, creating this asset and putting it out there and people not actually using it and it not producing results. Right. Um, which is a very legitimate concern. And I, I, um, you know, in no way mean to short sight that, but what is also quite simple and straightforward, um, is I've found promoting podcasts and growing an audience using a podcast is, it makes it so much easier to grow your audience um, via podcasting by leveraging audiences that are already out there that already exist groups mm -hmm. um, of individuals that are your best possible prospects and clients. And so that way you don't have to have a big list. You don't have to have, um, you know, a big following for your podcast to actually gain some pretty quick traction. And then that as well, is a relatively simple um, strategy based mm -hmm. on having other group leaders, other market leaders actually promote your show for you. And this is possible because what you're creating is absolutely free. It's very helpful and it solves certain problems in your industry. So there's a there's a particular pitch that I put together that works really well and I'm uh, happy to share that as well, Philip. Okay. Well, um, I know I have questions still. Perfect. List, listeners are going to have questions. So how can listeners get in touch with you, ask their questions, find out more? Absolutely. Um, and quite honestly, I get just like um, a lot of you consultants, I'm sure you have a few questions that are very common. Um, so what I actually did was I put together a short video series that addresses the 10 most common and most important questions that people ask about using podcasting as a marketing and sales generation tool. Um, and I'm happy to share that with everybody free if that's okay, Philip. Please share away. Awesome. awesome. Um, I'll set it up. Let's see. I'll put it at like cashflowpodcasting.com forward slash, um, I don't know what works for, for like pipeline. Let's call it that. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a 10 video mini series that directly addresses the most common questions, you know, essentially is podcasting a proven model? Will it actually work for my business type? If so, how the heck do I get started? What do I actually need versus what's all the fluff out there that people just talk about? Um and, you know, how do I turn listeners into customers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, that is definitely going to be a killer resource for people. Um, and beyond that, you can connect with me directly at cashflowpodcasting.com. We have our own podcast there that ad addresses a lot of these, uh, similar questions and discusses podcasting as a marketing tool, highlights people that are using it properly and generating big results. So, um, I would say those are the num the top two ways. Ben, this has been awesome. Super insightful, uh, super useful, just packed wall to wall with info. So thank you so much for making this happen. Appreciate you talking to me. I really appreciate the opportunity, Philip, and uh, glad I could share and connect with your audience. And uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. That's it for this episode and this season of the Consulting Pipeline podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Ben Kruger. You can find Ben online at cashflowpodcasting.com. That's spelled just like you would think. And you can find those podcasting resources Ben mentioned at cashflowpodcasting.com slash pipeline. 
I hope you'll keep this podcast in your podcatcher subscription list while I get the next season of episodes together. That way, they'll just show up automatically when I release the first batch of six or so episodes to kick the new season off. The upcoming season will have more in-depth interviews with experts who will help you understand how the time or resource-constrained consultancy can get great results from content marketing. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed or benefited from this program, please leave a review in iTunes or tell your business buddies about it. To leave a review, search the iTunes store for Consulting Pipeline Podcast, click on the podcast cover art, click ratings and reviews, click the rightmost of those gray stars next to click to rate, and if you're feeling extra generous, click the write a review button and leave a short review. In the meantime, if you'd like to speak directly to me or have comments or suggestions about the show, hit me up at philip at philipmorganconsulting.com. That's philip with one L, philip at philipmorganconsulting.com. Talk to you soon.